Welcome back to Gale Force Winds Season 3. The Gale Force Winds Podcast is proudly sponsored by the Newfoundland and Labrador Construction Association. The NLCA provides unparalleled opportunities for its members through industry education, construction information, government advocacy, and networking events. The NLCA is building Newfoundland and Labrador. For more information, visit nlca.ca. Perchance Theatre is building anew. The Timbers have moved up the road to a permanent new home in Conception Harbor. Located in the former Immaculate Conception Convent, their home has now become the home of Perchance. Gale Force Winds recorded conversations with some of the people who make Perchance an inspiration. This is one of those conversations. Thanks for joining us on Perchance to Dream, the podcast. Produced by Gale Force Winds. There is a tide in the affairs of men which, taken at the flood, leads on to fortune. Welcome to the Perchance to Dream podcast. I'm Alan Dale. With me, as always, my good buddy, Jerry Crew. And I can tell you what a pleasure it is to be out here in Conception Harbor, meeting some of the people behind the scenes at Perchance Theatre. So, Don, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Hi, my name is Don Fitzpatrick. I've uh, been on the board probably five years now. Uh, Danielle and I have known each other since... 1991 when we worked at Cape Spear as tour guides and we've been friends ever since and whatever she asks I'm there to do for so so Don uh, friends since 1991 uh, with Danielle what has your journey been through life uh, to get you to where you are right now (laughs) Uh, I grew up in freshwater Placentia Bay my dad worked on the base in Argentia for 47 years. My w- mother was a teacher at the Roman Catholic School in Freshwater, so this is very familiar. And, uh, you know, in Freshwater, the nuns and the priests were the spiritual the enforcers. If there was a fight going on in the hall, the priest came in through one door and the boys went out the back. <laughs> <laughs> and even the Protestants in Freshwater were Catholic. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. That's true. That. There was nothing else. To yeah. Get, you know, so uh, you had the kind of an odd influence of the church, you know, in the community and, you know, 10,000 Americans over the hill. So it was a kind of a, an interesting place to grow up. Uh, I went to university in 82 going to do marine biology things happened well i did do marine biology but I, it never the fisheries collapsed and everything so ended up did education did drifted around worked with parks for a long time and uh you know got into medical school eventually and uh fluked into uh plastic surgery so <laughs> fluked into it. Yeah, it's fluke. Everything's a fluke. <laughs> fluked into plastic surgery. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> well, it's true. Yeah. The medical school, was that always on your mind or did you just... Uh... No, it wasn't always. Uh, like I said, I, was, I wanted to be Jacques Cousteau. Um, and uh, my second year, I had a collapsed lung, so that put an end to diving. Well, I still did the marine biology degree. I was interested, but then... You know, John Crosby put an end to the fishery. So there was just, 
you know, you know what it was like in the early, yeah. late 80s, early 90s. It was hard, tough getting a job. So just did seasonal work, kept going back to university. So, wow. yeah, yeah. That's a big leap, though, to go into medical school and become a surgeon. That's especially how old would you have been when you went back to school? So I, got, I was in medical school at 26, but I did an education degree before that. And the funny thing was, <laughs> And when I'm during my student teaching, the Mount Cashel thing was breaking. Yeah. And the first job I had offered was uh, from bro Brother Booker, who was the principal of Mount Cashel at the time, to I teach in name, a yeah. Christian Brother School on an Indian reserve in northern BC. So uh, I was gone because there was nothing else. And anyway, the letter of acceptance came from medical school. And I remember my father looking at it. Tearing up the offer to go teaching, he says, "I guess, I guess you're set for life now, right?" That's what he. That's yeah. how he looked at it because he was always worried we're getting laid off. Yeah, yeah, you know. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, wow. so uh, you and Danielle friends for a long time. Yeah, uh, you worked together in part-time jobs. Is that kind well, of? Well, we in uh, 1991 we uh, got offered jobs at Cape Spear. The lady who was the superintendent, basically. Did a clean slate, brought in a very eclectic group. We had a great summer together. We've been friends forever. And I think all of us did things that summer that kind of expanded our worlds, you know? So. My sister worked there, uh, Roisin Carew. So there you go, Roisin. That's you was in the gift Before shop. we started recording, you, see, you look familiar. Yeah. So my sister worked yeah, there. Yeah, Roisin. So she can tell you what that summer was like. We had tell, what was it about that summer? What was it about that was pivotal there? It's just everybody. I think everybody was a little shy or uh, maybe were kind of reluctant to put themselves out there. Danielle certainly was, you know, and everybody was. And so everybody was really supportive. And uh, we had this flaky guy who was a permanent worker there, Tom Ebsery, who looked after the Newfoundland dog. No one really knew what his job was. but. He just encouraged all of us. I mean, we were putting off shows like we were. We after work, we'd go back to Cape Spear to hang out. You know, we just had a, and everybody's been in good friends ever since. Like yeah, incredible. Yeah, if you call, if one of us calls, one of us comes. It's that way, right? It's, you know. Wow. So when she asked me to join. I ran into her at the regatta a few years ago and they, they had the perchance thing up and uh, not a few years ago, maybe 10 years ago. And uh, next thing she called and said, hey, would you be interested in joining the board? And I said, well, I don't think board I ever stood on was a surfboard. I don't know. Uh, sure. Um, whatever you want. You know? Yep. So. Wow. Yeah. It's amazing how one summer, one interaction in a remote part of this world yeah. can change your perspective and make friends forever, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, the interesting was like my mother passed away a few years ago, and she kept everything. So I had I found this letter that uh, a person from Parks Canada, like they would send people down the summertime to train new guides and things like that. And this lady wrote a letter to the superintendent at Signal Hill, and somehow my mother got it. And she just said that she said I've never encountered a group like this. Like it, there was something. That was just, wow. you know, it was a great supportive group and everybody just got along and it was, and like, I think pushed it like, cause everybody just went off and did something that was pretty incredible. And I think Danielle is like, 
what she's done is amazing. It is amazing. Yeah. Well, yeah. that's why we're here. But I tell you, what's interesting too is that she asked you to be on the board, and you told her you had no board experience. Perfect. Yeah. How does it feel now, with five years under your belt on the board? Like it must be an interesting experience from the first board meeting to where you are now, and at least you feel like you can contribute. I would imagine. Um, well, I always tell her, and from the get-go. Uh, my thought on what she has achieved while working here and then being valued at Stratford, teaching at, you know, Canadian Theatre School in Montreal every year, like she's been making a living doing Shakespeare in a wooden barn in Cupid's for so long. I'm I'm just here to rubber stamp her ideas. Yeah, I'm here to back her up. Uh, I know sometimes people get nervous about the money and the funding, but she's been writing grants and getting this done for 30 years. I have no doubt in my mind that she's going to deliver. And you just look at the people who come. You look like Mary Welch, Jody Richardson, like there's. Yeah. I mean, they're the legends, best, best, right? and they all want to work with her. Yeah. So, you know, I'm just, I feel privileged that she's even included me. Yeah. So when she called last week, look, we're behind on the state. Well, I, I got together a bunch of friends, you know, a couple of doctors that I work with, a couple of guys I play in a band with. I said, can you come to Conception Harbor tomorrow morning? What for? I said, I don't know yet. When we get there, we'll figure <laughs> it out. But I knew the people that pull in, they're all can do anything. You know, they can put an arse in the cat. So they all showed up and we went and built, you know, my wife included. We started people working on the stage. We had people working on the galleries. People like a friend of mine was down painting the sets. Just showed up. Showed up. Mm. Um, it's just so, how long, five years on the board, is that correct? Yeah, about five years. Five years, yeah. yeah. Five years on the board. So, and you, so you've witnessed the move from Cupid's down here. Yeah. Big move. Uh, laying roots in a new community. Yeah. Uh, a very cool first show with uh, High Steel in yeah. this community. Yeah. It's all, all things coming together. Uh, tell me what perchance means to you. So again, it's, uh, it's Danielle's and her vision more than anything. So, uh, I mean, I, again, it goes back to where you grew up. Shakespeare always seemed a little remote to me and maybe high, you know, John Gilgood type thing. Yeah. So uh, I remember the first show I saw, um, John Sheehan was in the cast. And, you know, they bring actors in from everywhere and some actors are speaking with RP pronunciation as we all grew up hearing Shakespeare being done by British actors. And we had people from Ontario, but John spoke my language and was doing Shakespeare. Mm -hmm. So when I got home, I called Dana and I said, like, <clears throat> why did you even bring him in? And he's perfect. <clears throat> and she said, and so then she started sending me this stuff like scholarly work on <coughs> Shakespeare. And Shakespeare, basically, you know, there's a lot of scholars think Shakespeare spoke Newfoundland English because it came here in the 1600s and it stayed. I grew up saying ye, 
we, you know, like I still do, still do exactly <laughs> right. We still speak. You know, I've been in Ireland, and people will s say to me, you know, you're speaking English, but translated from Irish because of the way you structure things. Like I'm after doing this or after doing that. <coughs> so, just the language making it like Newfoundlanders love hearing about themselves, watching themselves. We all think we're great, like, you know, but having it being in your vernacular made it to me more accessible, mm -hmm. you know? And even though, <coughs> like, I mean, I, I, I'm not a, a Shakespeare, I did Shakespeare in school, a bit of university, you know, the stuff you see in popular things, you, you know, it's all through your life, but she manages to make it accessible you know and i think that's her 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 mission here is to make it so that it's you know it's not highbrow it's mm -hmm. and it's fun and you know so i'd support anything that she wants to do yeah it's interesting that you say that you're not alone uh mary walsh said the same thing andy jones said the same thing that danielle made shakespeare relatable for them but I mean, I'll go back even further than that then. Yeah. You brought in Mary Walsh and Andy Jones, and I don't know if you remember this, but I remember being corrected as a kid because we weren't speaking properly. Yes. And in the 70s, when you saw Codco and Mary Walsh and Andy Jones and Greg Malone suddenly talking on TV and sounding like we sounded, because remember, there was a guy, like even in the, early, in the late 60s, early 70s, even the stuff that was on CBC here, there were British yeah. actors. There yeah. were, you know, oh, yeah. Codco like, made it cool to be a Newfoundlander. Yeah, yeah I, I still remember the famous Codco one where it was uh, in stage at Gonzaga and the brother asked uh, what the young fellow's name was. He said, Dick, brother, Dick. Yeah. He said, there are no Dicks in Gonzaga. <laughs> Richards. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. I still remember that. Yeah. Uh, but you're right. You're so right. They made it okay yeah. to be that You could be way. proud. And you right? didn't. You could be proud. Yeah. But it's so cool, hey, how one person, a person like Danielle, and I know there's a team of people here behind Perchance, but Danielle is bringing Shakespeare to the masses in a way yeah. that's relatable. That's pretty cool. It is very cool, yeah. yeah. And even, and then encouraging new work and, you know, local works like High Steel, I mean, and setting it here is amazing. And, you know, she's got new things in the works and COVID was a, really a struggle. And how they, how she rebounded and just kept people going with the power of one yeah. uh, presentations was amazing, you know? Mm -hmm. You know, many people, a lot of people that follow our podcast would be, Jerry and I like to focus conversations in and around the C-suite and decision yeah. makers and big companies and things like that. And everybody's looking for a way to pitch into their communities wherever they are. You know, hydrogen coming on now, yeah. big companies swirling around Newfoundland. What a better place to put some effort and energy into local theater. What would you say to some of those big companies that might be watching this? as a way that they can lean into local theater? Well, I just think, uh, you gotta be careful how you say this now because, but I think they get caught up in lobbying, well, politicians and uh, comfortable in the corridors of business and administration because the arts community 
is a very eclectic and can be uncomfortable community to be in yeah. if you're used to, you know, corporate speak and mm -hmm. corporate ways of doing things. And I'm not saying they're necessarily well behaved all of the time in how corporate things are done. But if you're coming from that and going and working with a bunch of artists, you might as well, you know, go live on Mars. It's yeah. it's a different it's a different mindset. It's a different way of even looking at time, you know, and looking at money and looking at the creative process. You know, it's uh, I, so I would that I think that's the challenge. How do they cross that chasm? How do they? I don't know if they ever do because the problem, if you're trying to make a living as an artist, is you have to you have to do it. Yeah. And sometimes the money is secondary, mm. whereas if you're coming from the corporate thing, the money is primary. Mm. So I don't know if they understand people doing stuff for nothing. Like you even look at a musician, oh, I get paid a hundred bucks downtown. Well, he just didn't show up and play. He had yeah. to put yeah. all the time he had to put in. Look at all the time they have to put into rehearsing, acting, writing. The process is so long and arduous. It's not rewarding at all. Mm -hmm. So I, I think you know, if you're if you're a corporate person and you're, you're about profit and you've gone through that whole system and you have the MBA and stuff, you would look at artists and say, "You guys don't make any sense." Mm -hmm. But I also think that the way ahead, like even with AI and you know more and more mechanization, I think people are always going to have an appetite for art, whether it's theater, whether it's television or movies or music or you know any type of performance the problem is, is getting we're stuck in this napster mode and this netflix mode and the youtube mode where we want everything for free yeah. you know like you got to pay for stuff you know and when you see someone that you know like people will fly away to see a bruce Dean, bruce springsteen concert you know pay the air tickets pay thousands of dollars to get the tickets to see him and then I want to see something here for nothing. Yeah, I know. And I'm sorry, there's good music, you know, here, as you'll see anywhere. If you, and you know, like you've, if you've yeah. seen Jody and you've seen those bands, like I remember one of the best concerts I've ever seen was the last show of uh, Dead Reckoning at the Nickel back in 1994. Yeah. That place, it was an amazing experience. I'll never forget it. Yeah. Right? There was just something about it that night. Everything just, but I mean, you know. What are you most excited about for the theatre in the next, uh, for this year and beyond? Uh, I'd like for there to be some certainty. Because as long as I've been on the board, there's been uncertainty. First was, you know, that the Haven was sold and they didn't know what was going to happen. And then three years of trying to deal with COVID and then the move and it's just so i'd love for danielle and laura in particular who are you know are the guts of it and get it all done to just have some stability in a home like this is great you know but this is a 60 odd year old convent this, yeah you know yeah the best thing is the chapel yeah yeah like even when you walk in so there's there's you know structural challenges there's money challenges i just love i would love for the people who have promised funding 
to come through with the funding and stop making it so difficult. Right. Yes. Right. That's something I've been involved in the nonprofit sector as a volunteer, and there are a lot of corporations that pledge yeah. funding and never come never through. deliver. Yeah. So if anyone is watching this and yeah. you've done that. Don't do that anymore. Yeah. Uh, this is a good example. This place, Alan, where we are. Yeah. This is lifting up an entire community. Yeah. Or province and province. Well, yeah. you're right. Yeah. As um, uh, Aidan Flynn, one of the founders, yeah. said, you know, this is a model you could take around Newfoundland. Oh, absolutely. Right? Yeah. yeah. I, I took Danielle to Placentia last year because we're, you know, still not sure if this was going to work. Lots of lots of places, lots of sites yeah. there. You know. Oh yeah, yeah. I, and I every how, community has it. Yeah, yeah. I love how you uh, so rightly pointed out that top talent is flocking to be around Danielle. Yeah. Something good is happening here. Yeah. And the people who are holding purse strings, whether it's government or industry, they should see that too. Yeah. There's top talent flocking here, so yeah. let's get on board and give them the stability they need yeah. to take this even further. Yeah. 100%. Well, to to that point, Alan, you know, Alan and I have traveled the island and we know we're on the cusp of probably some of the inc most incredible economic benefits this province has ever seen. Yeah. Wind, hydrogen, the gold finding gander. I mean, Verifin uh, being sold a couple of years ago for 3.5 billion. Like there's billions of dollars of investment happening here. People should invest in perchance. And that's frankly why we're here to tell the stories. Yeah. Yeah. That's my soapbox. I'll there get off of now. Well, I have to tell you, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the conversation. And, uh, and thank you for being a part of the board. And uh, oh. I love that story of how one summer's work can bring so much good. Oh, yeah. and, uh, and here we are. It's, yeah. uh, that's great. So thanks very much for being on. Thank the you board. very much. Great to meet you guys. And say hello, Roshin. I will. Perchance Theatre is building anew. The Timbers have moved up the road to a permanent new home in Conception Harbor. Located in the former Immaculate Conception Convent, their home has now become the home of Perchance. Gale Force Winds recorded conversations with some of the people who make Perchance an inspiration. This is one of those conversations. Thanks for joining us on Perchance to Dream, the podcast. Produced by Gale Force Winds.